1: Welcome to The Big Weekend. I am Kyle Coster, Editor-in-Chief of The Big Lead. My interview today is with Brian Anderson, Warner Brothers Discovery play-by-play voice extraordinaire. He has the opportunity tonight to call the Los Angeles Lakers game as LeBron James attempts to score 36 points and become the NBA's all-time leading scorer. Spoiler alert, Anderson will be just fine, even if LeBron does not reach that plateau. We had a great conversation about how he's approaching the opportunity, getting the nod to call his first NBA All-Star game and all that entails, and kind of a deep dive into the mechanics of how he processes the job. If you listen to this podcast before, you know that this is his third time on. I believe he's always... Extremely forthcoming and thoughtful with this information. I think if you're interested in the job of a play-by-play voice, his answers were really illuminating. So we'll get to that in just a minute. But first, I want to talk about golf. I never thought I'd get to a place where golf would be my favorite sport to watch on television. If I had a time machine and I wanted to use it for the most unproductive means possible, I would go back in time and tell a young, friskier Kyle Coster that he would be glued to the couch for like 36 hours every weekend watching golf and watch the horror on that young man's face. But I would be there. Current me would be there with a welcoming, a knowing nod and say, it's all going to be all right, man. Your life turned out pretty great and this golf thing is special. You just have to unlock it. The weekend at Pebble Beach, which spanned Into Monday, with Justin Rose cruising to a three-shot lead. Rosie's back. Always great to see him win. Was everything that I love about golf. Interesting storylines. The most beautiful pieces of nature on this earth. The marathon script, where the story is always evolving. There's always so much to consider. The pacing of the sport is incredible, For my whole life, I thought it was slow, but I realize now it's four days, check in anytime, check out anytime you want. It's not like the Hotel California. You can be as invested as you'd like to be. You can be as disinterested as you like to be and only come in for the last six holes on a Sunday, but the endings usually deliver. And while Rose didn't have much drama down the stretch, we still had those triumphant moments of him walking down the fairways, of him keeping the train right in the middle of the tracks, seeing him flash the type of play that he's capable of but hasn't shown with consistency over the last several years was wonderful. He has now won 11 times on the PGA Tour, 11 times on the DP World Tour. He has won tournaments in six continents. I want you to think about that. Think about being able to say that you've won golf tournaments on six continents. That's got to be an amazing icebreaker at any and all cocktail parties. There's something about this sport that draws you in. You evaporate into it. And I think that baseball, for me, always seen as America's pastime, has always been number one with a bullet. But golf is creeping in there because you want to talk about what that term means, pastime, passing the time, I'm not sure there's any other way I'd like to spend the hours of the weekend than watching them melt away as the finish gets closer, as new players shuffle up and down the leaderboard, as we get these scenic vistas. Oh, it's just great. Not great. Jordan Spieth, Jordan Ride was up and down, mostly down. He made the cut, but that only allowed him to finish second to last. The consistency is not there. The putting seems to have taken a vacation, which is a huge problem. If there's a saving grace, he's driving the ball really well. And he gets to get right back on the horse in Phoenix at the people's major, the waste management. Oh, beers will be flowing. Golf etiquette will be pushed to the side. Always one of the greater events of the year. And you look at these these two weekends back to back in the PGA is in such a great place. For all this consternation, all the hand-wringing about what Liv was going to do to the PGA Tour, boom. 10 day stretch, couldn't be better. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. I I just wanna lay out what Aaron Rodgers did. Um, Yesterday, he appeared at an astrology webinar a day after facing allegations of fudging his handicap so he could win the Pro-Am at Pebble Beach. It's not a joke. That's just what happened. Fascinating character. That's enough of me. Let's get to my interview with Brian Anderson. So, Brian, I made a big mistake in scheduling this. Uh, I didn't plan for there to be a Monday finish at Pebble Beach. So I've kind of got one eye at the action out there uh, as we record this. But it kind of got me thinking, you've been doing the match for TNT. And that seems like such an interesting experience, both in level of what it is, because it's a competition, but what actually happens doesn't really matter outside of those four people with bragging rights. But it is an event where non-golf fans are coming in and checking it out. What has it been like to go through a couple of those? I imagine it's kind of a -a one-of-a-kind experience for you.
2: Yeah, it is. There's nothing really like it. It is close to some of the events we used to do when I worked for Golf Channel, we would have these, um, oftentimes we would do these Tuesday made-for-TV events, and it was a similar format. And, you know, this is 20 years ago, so we didn't quite have the technology dialed up. But it was a chance, even then, for us to experiment and try different things and dive into the players' comfort zones. I remember one we had with John Daly and 13-year-old Michelle Wee Uh, which was like the dynamic of those two was interesting. And so it feels a little bit more like that. Uh, This, So I've done five of the seven matches, the match, maybe four. Um, But every time we're always using it as an opportunity to test some things. So the second match, what, what was so interesting about that from a technical nerd perspective, which is kind of where I live and what I love, um, it really was the precursor to the NBA bubble. We tested all kind of stuff and how to how to what where to place the trucks, where to put personnel who are working in the trucks, production trucks, and we basically used that model into the NBA bubble that year. So it was incredibly helpful for all of our tech Ops people and just to kind of see if we could pull this off and not to mention, you know, what we did, on the air uh, and we raised $20 million for that, that second match uh, for COVID relief. So that was really cool, but yeah, that's been the idea and we want to entertain and it's just, you know, television, we can get stuck in our ways when we're doing games and we're always, we're always nervous to unveil technology because do that in a big game and it doesn't work. Uh, And we've been pretty forward and aggressive at, at Warner brothers, discovery, Turner sports, it used to be called. We've been pretty aggressive, but sometimes it just kind of falls flat. And then you now you're disrupting the moment, the event. So these um, these really give you a chance to try things out. And when they get good enough and when it feels normal enough, and we've seen that on the PGA Tour, CBS is starting to use some of the interview technology with the AirPod in the ear. Um, I think, you know, when we kind of flush it out where it really works and we're confident in it and the players are okay with it, then we can break it into a real event.
1: You know, I think that there's kind of a misconception because so many people want to do what you do and put in so much work to get to that level where you're one of the marquee national announcers and you think, okay, well, then the work is done. But you need to be fighting against not just only things getting stayed, but also, like you mentioned, kind of being on the cutting edge, like – do you get a thrill out of kind of doing these improv things or trying something new year to year? Does that keep you sharp? Because it seems like, especially in your case, when you're across so many sports, being as dynamic as possible, obviously, is is an important thing for your tool belt.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I do, I really, um, it's really important to me in my life in general, just philosophically, to not get stagnant. So in my career, it boils down to little things like I just did it this morning. I threw away all my notes from all the Lakers games that I have had this year. And while that hurts to do that, uh, because I have a Lakers game coming up, I want to start over and I actually enjoy the prep and just kind of coming up with new things and, um, fresh ideas. And so I force myself to do that. I'll sit on the opposite side of the table at times, I'll switch my mic post from one side to the other. Just in general, like as a philosophy for myself to always make things new and fresh and kind of keep seeking experiences. And so that applies to my broadcasting and the different sports that I do. And I've never really said no. You know, I, I mean, I have on a few things. I would never do hockey, I would never do, you know, elite level soccer. Um, Those are just things I wouldn't do. I'm not good at it. I would, I don't know the sport, but there are things that I will try and want to try. And I like the idea of going in and nobody really knows what's going to happen. That, that to me is what motivates me. And I don't think um, I think I'm in the minority. I don't think I'm in the majority on that. A lot of my kind, they want that stability and structure. Um, But I came from the technical background. So, you know, I was, I ran handheld camera in college and I, I was, I did audio and graphics and I still love the technical side of the industry. And so I I really work closely with our tech people to try to come up, you know, what's that marriage between the announcer, the front facing individuals and those behind the scenes. And can we communicate faster? Can we uh, troubleshoot faster? Can we do things in a little more, uh, orderly way or so, some way where we're both speaking each other's language as opposed to always like serving the announcer, which forever uh, was the way it is in this business. And I, I've been trying to change that. Like the real talent is in the truck is what I say. So I love doing different sports, different kind of things where we can add some technology. So that is important to me. And I always have my hand up uh, to sign up when, when those come around.
1: Well, let's talk about that Lakers game. Um, it's a big one oklahoma city thunder going out there to play lebron and his teammates lebron is 36 points shy of the all-time nba scoring record i'm going to ask you the question you can answer it one of two ways you can be diplomatic and say no i don't want him to break the record i'm just there to call the game or you can tell me that you really want that moment which one is it for you
2: and please don't think i'm uh trying to be humble or just uh give you a stock answer honestly i I don't care. I, I mean, I would love to call it. Believe me. I would love to call that moment. And, but you know, I, I, I believe in just fate and just how it lays out is how it lays out. I don't want to, I'm not going to feel any different about it. If he doesn't break the record, if he does break it, I hope I do a good job with it and, you know, make sure I call it. Uh, I'm not one of those who tries to insert myself in a lot of those situations. So um, I thought about it and I, I you know, I'm fresh off calling Stephen Curry's, three-point record season and a half ago. So I think that's on my mind and I've called some milestones before Trevor Hoffman, 600 save. There've been a few milestones that, you know, you have a chance to think about. I was on judge watch last year and it didn't happen in my game. So we were there though. We were ready and had judge homered in Toronto, he would have set the American league record. So um, some come to you, some don't, and I'm, I'm not trying to be politically correct. If you, if he doesn't break it, I'm going to be ecstatic that Kevin Harlan and Reggie Miller are going to be set up for Thursday's broadcast on TNT uh, to potentially call that. And I also think about it, and this is genuine, and I really mean this because I did, I've did, i done local television and radio, and I do local TV with the Brewers still. But I really want uh, Bill McDonald and John Ireland to be able to call this too. This is their team, and this is... Their guy, they, they're with this team every day, and it's. I feel like, um, it's really important that those guys who are calling these games for their teams every single day, um, have a chance to call that and have that moment as well. So, I think about them a lot as well.
1: It's a very polite answer.
2: Uh, I take it,
1: but is <laughs> it's it the okay? truth.
2: Is it okay? Is it okay to
1: want it? Is it okay to want moments like that when you um, sit down? Oh
2: you know what? Okay. So for me, it is okay. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of guys would be demanding that they get that call and they would, if their network wasn't putting them on that game, they would demand that they get put on that game or, you know, they would make those demands. I'm just, that's not my personality. It's not my place. Um, I will go wherever I'm called to go, but I will say that it's, it's important to just like chronicle the moment and if you happen to be in that moment great if not then it's okay not to be there either I, i'm i can easily separate myself and be a fan and if my voice is not the signature call on this event i'm totally okay with that broadcasting doesn't define me my career doesn't define me and i'm so i'm happy for others if they get a chance to call that and i don't it doesn't bother me at all i promise I would tell you if it did, I would be honest. It it really doesn't. When you get to one of those games where there's the
1: historical specter hanging over it, how do you manage your broadcast so it's not singularly focused on it, whether you know it's going to happen, like perhaps in the Steph Curry or the Trevor Hoffman save situation that you mentioned without it kind of drowning out everything else, like you said, because your primary goal is to document what's happening
2: Yeah, I mean, that's uh, I do think about it. So uh, I've talked to a lot of, you know, young broadcasters who have these moments. And I used to talk to guys like Ernie Harwell and Vin Scully and Marv Albert. And, you know, I would have
0: everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or Mc Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I have
2: conversations with those guys about uh, how to handle certain events and, you know, different games. And every game's different. I, I There is a game to be played, and it does matter in this moment. But ultimately, you know, that window, if you're thinking about it in, like, an audio file, Again, I have a technical background, so I think about things a little differently, but you know, the the image is this audio file and at some point there's an edit point, a pickup and a and an edit point uh that it would end and and that historical moment needs to be its own moment. It doesn't need to be LeBron James has put the Lakers ahead by 2 with 2 minutes to go and he set the scoring record. It's not that. It's it's LeBron James has set the NBA's all-time scoring record and that's it. So That's the difference, and I do think about that, and I'll eliminate things I would normally say in a regular game um, that would matter to that game specifically because this is an historical moment that we're dealing with. So other than that, it's really just kind of call it, like let it unfold, call it. There's a rhythm to how we would do it as a crew, as, you know, the way our decisions, I mean, I'm talking about our producer, director, are a group how we would run replays. When do we run replays? They're going to stop the game, obviously. How are we going to handle that? So we're, we're talking about all those things. When does Stan Van Gundy enter into the mix? And Stan needs to have some perspective if that if that happens. Uh, more than just, wow, it was a turnaround jump. And it's got the Lakers in the lead. And that was a big shot for this game. And he knows that. And we all kind of understand the historical context. So other than thinking about those things and stripping away the things that are specific to that game, um, we'll just let it unfold and, you know, call it as we see it, but be mindful that this will be uh, the chronicling of history. And, um, you know, that's important that we get it right and that we not for me not step all over it and not say the word I, (laughs) um, I'm I'm not going to do that, you know, like that I don't do that really anyway, but, uh, those are really the most important things that are on my checklist. It's almost like uh, when you're an athlete and I play college baseball, but it's like when you go through in in my, my athletic life, you know, I was a catcher and I would think before the pits, like really fast, just really quick, you know, pixel of, okay, I'm going to do this. If it's here, if here, if here, if here, if here, if here I'm going to go this way, this way, that way. And it, that's what it's like to me. I don't know if broad, other broadcasters think that way, but I still kind of approach it from an athlete's perspective with scenario A, B, C, D, E, F, G, then the moment happens. And then you're hopefully in that uh, mind, mind to call it right and, you know, you're going to execute it.
1: I think that's an interesting perspective because, you know, I've played baseball my whole life, too. Uh It's my number one thing. And I equate it to there's just so much downtime. Um downtime during the week when you're not playing if you're in a men's league like myself or you're thinking <laughs> about this and then you have to do this in the split second and you know you wonder like you once if you're trying to react in real time you're going to be behind the eight ball yeah no matter what so it's all that unseen stuff and i've talked to a lot of broadcasters about the preparation and how essential that is and almost needs to be at least from when I, the way i hear it almost like a rote reaction where you snap into kind of what you've mentally prepared for more than thinking about what you're going to say as you're saying it. Does that track with you? Totally.
2: It's exactly what I'm talking about. And I think that's, I mean, that's where I feel like um, my athletic background and playing sports all my life, playing multiple sports all my life. It pays off every time, every game I do. I feel like, it's it, the the mental side of it is no different than playing golf or basketball or baseball or football for me and and just those like quick snapshots of all the scenarios that could happen. You're not even verbalizing it. You're almost just like it's just a it's just like a like a photo almost or a, a quick image, sometimes with sounds in your brain, and you're just like, boom, I'm gonna do this, boom, I'm gonna do that. If you slowed it down, it would be okay, LeBron call the shot he shoots he makes it there's a phrase there's out there's the analyst follow the monitor where is the producer taking you is it replays or is it do they stop the game like so if I slowed it down that would kind of be the process but I'm not thinking about it that slowly or that methodically it's almost like and then I'll just let it fly and I found as an athlete and now as a broadcaster, all these years, I mean, I'm almost 30 years into this as a broadcaster, but anytime you try to plan stuff, uh, map it out, script it, it never goes, it never goes right for me. Others it goes right for, and that they're comfortable doing that. I'm just not, so um, I've had my mistakes, but for for the most part, when you just let it fly and just be in the moment, uh, usually it works out okay.
1: Well, I think as a viewer, not that we can tell every time. But I think I would value authenticity over something that's canned um, because that you're never going to know how a moment feels in real time. So if you're drawing back to how you think it's going to feel, there might be some disconnect there. So I think that that's actually a great approach. And and I think that on some level, people at home can pick up on it. Um, calling your first all-star game of the NBA uh, coming up. What I think about the NBA all-star game is that it's kind of a kid's (laughs) playland. When you're a kid and you like sports, what could be better than the best athletes in the world? Basically putting on a show, you're going to be doing all the things you wish you could see them do all the time in games. And the league is so deep with talent right now. So many amazing stars. Like you throw a rock and you're going to hit someone who's an up-and-comer, maybe a top five player um, in the years to come. Have you reflected on your own experience kind of watching this event uh, when you were younger and now that you get to call it, what do you want to bring uh, to it? Is It seems like there's a little bit of like whimsy and at least like pure excitement because it is an exhibition in its truest sense.
2: Yeah, you, that's right. And um, you know, I've, um, I've watched so many of these all-star games. I've, the all-star games that I've called in my life were, minor league baseball all-star games so and i i've done i don't know five or six of those double a all-star games triple a all-star games texas league all-star games those kind of things um and i do remember like over preparing for the first one i did it was 1997 and i just remember like wait this is not a game this is not a normal game you know it's uh, it's a totally different thing it's a different sport but really for me, it's, it's more comparable to the match is what it is because we're going to have interviews. We're going to have earpieces. We're going to have all kinds of ancillary stuff going on while the game's going on. So, um, and we have celebrities next to me, you know, our own celebrities that call the game and big personalities, Reggie Miller and Candace Parker, and all the people we're going to put on the broadcast. So, It almost sets up just like the match where I'm trying to stay out of the way. You want to bang the big calls, obviously, but there aren't many big calls. Now, the fourth quarter is a different experience. That becomes a real game. It becomes fun. You're playing for a target score. But the first three quarters and leading up to it, for me, it's just going to be, you know, an exercise in concentration because, uh, you know, there's, there's like famous people all around you. There's rappers everywhere and there's, it's uh, there's musicians and artists and actors, and it's just kind of a cool scene just to be down there. And it's, for me, it's always like, what am I doing here? I'm the least qualified person to be sitting in this scene right now. So staying focused on the job at hand and making sure we're, (laughs) this is as nerdy as it gets, but making sure we're getting our promos in, making sure like I'm following the grid with the producers so we can pay the bills. Like that's kind of what's important to me And then leave enough canvas for everybody to paint, you know, and like use their paintbrushes however they want to. And I'll just kind of be, uh, you know, in a musician's terms, the drummer kind of just locking down the beat. And then everybody else can go do whatever they want to do. And so I I think that's my perspective on it. I feel very matched to me. I did All-Star Saturday last year. I did the rookie sophomore game in 2018 and nineteen. So, I think those things are helpful, but you know, for the most part, just again, take eye" out of it and let it let it be what it wants to be, and just try to put those subtitles on it where they belong, and really know when to be quiet is probably the most important skill in this whole thing for me.
1: Yeah, those rappers are always um <laughs> they want collabs. No, want here's thoughts. the thing and with here's
2: the, the thing with the rappers and the well, all musicians but the rappers especially so this is something I didn't account for but they love talking to Reggie Miller and they love just like coming in and hugging everybody and you'll be right in the middle of a play and they're just they want to have a conversation right there so you know that's the interesting part that They see Reggie there, especially Candice is going to get that same kind of treatment, I'm sure. But it's like, oh, there's Candice Parker. I think I want to talk to her right now. So tap on the shoulder. Hey, let's talk right now. We may be in the middle of a game. So those are the moments where it's like it's hilarious to me that either they know what they're doing or maybe they are oblivious to the fact we're on the air right there. And so I I like just kind of and. You know, uh, Fat Joe's talking to Reggie Miller right now, so we'll be back with him in just a moment. I find that just fascinating. The whole ecosystem in there in an all-star setting is, this craziness is what it is. It is like a playground. I think that the people that you work with too, uh, you mentioned
1: Reggie and Stan so far, they both kind of have this quality where, and it's the best quality. You don't know what they're going to say about a particular topic. Um, You could see them, Going positive, you could see them going negative. You could see them being serious, analytical. You could see them joking around and having fun. Their ability to keep you on your toes, is that something that you've always been able to like respond to in real time? Or does it take some time uh, knowing you never know what you're, you're going to get from them?
2: Yeah, well, I, I would say that is a learned skill that when I first started and I was so young, in this business and trying to figure it out. I was, you know, 22 years old calling minor league baseball games and small college basketball and high school football. I was just so into like me and what I need to say and my prep that I hardly even acknowledge the analyst. And I can remember a couple of years into it thinking, wait a minute. And I'm sure I was told, and I had a lot of mentors and and you know, there was this idea that you really need instead of two spinning wheels, the play-by-play wheel and the analyst wheel, you need to become one wheel. And that that for me means I need to serve better. And so serving the analyst is like my number one goal every day. And so sometimes that means ditching some real good prep that you put together and like, man, I, I worked hard on this. I spent, you know, 30 minutes on like specific tales to Kareem and LeBron, like, but I may not use that and I need to be okay using that, you know? So those are the kind of things that you just, you shelve and you have to be okay getting rid of. Because what I've learned over the years, you know, and I've been fortunate to be doing national games since 2008 with Turner and TBS baseball postseason and then the NCAA tournament and then the NBA. Uh, When you get to this uh, level of broadcasting, the analysts are so interesting characters, first of all, but just so interesting and how they see the game. And um, it's really important that you're able to acknowledge that. And like it boils down to the most basic skill and that's just listen. So you have to absorb all of your prep and your knowledge and how what you know about this game and these players. And you can't really like need a cheat sheet or be able to read it it has to be just in you and that's really what where the time comes in ernie johnson's the master at this by the way and i learned a lot from him that way that he knows he could do a hour podcast on every game but he probably uses 5% of it on inside the nba and the real skill is to know that to be able to have that as a weapon to be able to use in your toolbox but also be okay not using it because maybe the river's going another way and these guys are <laughs> wanting to go a different direction and just listen like the basic skill of listening and okay, Stan's going on a tangent here and it's really funny and it's to the point and it's perfectly executed and let's go there. Um, and they're all different, you know, Stan, Reggie, Candace, uh, Greg Anthony, Steve Smith, Grant Hill. They're, they're all different and how they do it and really the job of the play-by-play announcer is to understand what makes them comfortable and what makes them thrive and then lean into that and be a real partner with that like again i always i use music analogies but it's like playing jazz and we don't know we're not reading off music sheets we're just gonna let let it go where it wants to go but you have to be skilled enough to actually support uh where it's going where the music is going. And so I think that's really important because for a few years I was playing marching band and I was just doing my thing and banging my drum and walking down that line. And that just doesn't really work. It's not a, not a good listen. And I'm glad I was able to change that at an early age. And it's something that I've really leaned into more and back to your original question about being uncomfortable. It's okay to be uncomfortable and not, I'm not I don't know where we're going, so that makes me feel anxious. But at the same time, I'm going to trust my vocabulary, my prep, that I'm going to be able to, like, add to this this path that we're going on. And so some days it works, some days it does, it doesn't work. Uh, But, you know, ultimately that's the goal is to just listen.
1: That's Brian Anderson. He is on LeBron Watch on Tuesday night. LeBron Watch. 36 points over under i think he's gonna do it i think he'd like I to do, do it too. at home um thanks so much for the time i always appreciate talking to you
2: yeah man always great to be with you good luck with all your success and all your stuff you got going on man you guys got a great thing going on there at the big lead it's been impressive
0: everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or McCrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day